Hallelujah. We're so grateful to our God. Amen. Well, would you disagree with me this morning? We're going to go ahead and get right into the uh, message. Let's just pull in, plug in, pull on the Holy Spirit this morning. How about that? He is the teacher, and that's who we endeavor to to, uh, listen to, and that's who, as teachers, we endeavor to be a vessel for, the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just look to you this morning, and we declare we come with grateful hearts. We thank you. We thank you from the bottom of our being, O God, for the love wherewith you loved us. We're thankful for Jesus. And we declare and confess, Father, He is Lord. He is our Lord. And we declare that, in fact, He came down and He bore our sins in His body that we might die unto sin and live unto righteousness. And with His stripes we were healed. We thank You for redemption, spirit, soul, and body. And we're so grateful this morning for the precious Holy Spirit that we have been sealed with, hallelujah, a down payment of our inheritance. Holy Spirit, we yield unto you. We thank you for filling lips this morning with your truth. We thank you for filling ears this morning with rhema, with revelation. Father, we thank you for the soil of the hearts of those here this morning that is good, good soil to receive your word, that it would become engrafted, O God, and produce some 30, 60, and 100-fold return. And we are careful to give you all the glory and the honor this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to get right into it this morning, and I'll tell you, I prepared a PowerPoint. (laughs) I told Todd this morning while I was, you know, I had all my notes and everything, and I start putting, it's a labor of love. How about that? I love you all. And, I, and I'm putting that together, and I had kind of a hollow feeling the whole time I was doing it. And now I know why. And if I would just listen to my gut, remember, that's what I told you all last week. We have to learn to listen to our gut. I wouldn't have labored and put the effort into that. But that's okay, because it can always be used down the road. And we'll see next week if we have a projector. Praise God. So we let me just get right into it this morning. We're going to mount this horse and ride it hard and fast. This is going to be the Pony Express this morning. All right. So you all got your seatbelts on. Are you ready for a word this morning? Hallelujah, because you're going to get a lot of it. Okay, and I do have these notes and I will make these notes available. So please don't get writer's cramp this morning. Outside of your desire to scribe down just a few points that really hits your heart that you want to Meditate on through the week. So I will make these notes available, and I believe, where's Kaylin at? I believe that she can make them available on the web. Uh, and so I will, I will do that, if that's okay, CJ. I'll make them available so people can download them, and then uh, you can access them that way. Okay, so real quickly, I, I don't want to spend much time on review because I want to get into the meat of, of where we need to head this morning. We've been talking about love, and the title of what we came up with here for this subject for the next or for the last couple weeks, what is this thing called love? One of my favorite worship groups, you know, is Delirious. They used to have a song, and it was one of their kind of old school songs. What is this thing called love? I love that song. I can listen to it over and over and over again. And uh, it was so funny because they described love as this thing. 
you know. And I can picture it in quotes every time they say it. And that's what we have this morning. So I robbed that from a song title. What is this thing called love? Awakening to the higher affair of the spirit. I want you to get a couple of those words. It's a higher affair, if you will. This love that I'm talking about, it's an affair of the spirit. Okay, the love we're talking about. Okay, so we talked just real quickly how it was important to have a foundation of who we are, spirit, soul, and body, because the love that we understand from the Word of God in the New Testament in particular, and that's where we live, folks, is in the New Testament. Praise God for the old covenant. Thank God for it. But I tell you, we have a new and new covenant founded on better promises. Amen? And it's a covenant that can't be broken because it was cut with Jesus as a human flesh and bone being, and he was infallible. And he turned around and gave that infallibility or that, that result to us. Praise God for that. So the New Testament talks about love in two different terms, predominantly from the Greek. And because it talks about two, those two terms, agape and, and what's the other one? Phileo. We realize that agape is a thing of the spirit and phileo is a love, if you will, of the soul. Okay, and because of that, then we need to have a little foundation of understanding of who we are, spirit and soul. If we're to understand how we perform those loves, if you will, the agape and the suke. So we talked real quickly about the spirit, soul and body, that we are a triune being. We're three in one, just like God made in his image. We need to learn to recognize those parts of who we are, recognize that we they can be trained, they can be matured. And that each has its own voice and accesses its own realm, a particular realm. The spirit is the essence of your life eternal, with God or apart from him. You know, it's referred to as the heart, as the inward man, as the belly in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's the part of your being that contacts the spirit realm. And for the Christian, there's a Greek word always from which the word spirit is transcribed as it pertains to your inward man, and it's pneuma. And it's the same word that we use as a prefix for a lot of words in the English language like pneumatic. It means a forceful blast of air. What was it that God did when he folded up the, or the, uh, molded up the earthen vessel? He blew his pneuma into it. And we became a living uh, being. Okay, so I'd like to call it our gut. The voice of our spirit is our gut, the inward witness. So then we have a soul. And we're very familiar with the last two parts of our being, soul and body. Soul is the dimension of man that deals with the mental realm. You know, in general, it comprises the mind, will, and emotions. It's the part of us that reasons, thinks, decides, and relates in motion. It's the core of your personality. It's your uniqueness as an individual. It is the suke, okay, as it's translated from in the Greek, or the shallow breath or life of man. And it contacts the intellectual realm. Its voice is largely reasoning and emotions. That's the soul. And then the body, we're well familiar with the body because we can look around and see everybody's bodies. Flesh and bone, house of your soul and spirit. The body contacts the physical realm. And, the, and its voice are the senses, the five senses, if you will. Okay, so we learned that we can train each of our, our the people who we are, you know, each of our parts, spirit, soul, and body. We learn that they can, they can be matured. All parts are subject to growth and maturity. And we're really, really good at training the body and the mind. We have institutions that train the mind. And one of them is just right down the street here. We have many, many uh, gyms and things like that. We're, we're looking at the pre- previous two weeks of a celebration of the training of the body in terms of being able to perform some sport or athletic function. 
and ability. Tremendous things the body can do. We're, we're well familiar with that, with training and maturity, maturation of our body and soul. But because of ignorance or indifference, we let our spirits suffer. We hardly ever feed them oftentimes. They're anemic. They're skinny. If you were to look at many, many, if you could look in the spirit and you could, you could see people's spirits, you would not see the health and vitality that you see by and large in people's bodies. Certainly you would not see obesity of the spirit. And I would tell you right now, it's just because we don't feed our spirits. We don't put attention to our spirits like we do our mind and our bodies. Okay? So because of that, we fail to live and accomplish things from the kingdom of God because they're spiritual matters. And so we need to understand that we, to accomplish the things Jesus asked us to do, they have to be accomplished by the Spirit because they're spiritual matters. Okay? And so it's the principal reason why so many of Jesus' teachings are foreign to us. Because we're so focused on just soul and body. And when you hear Jesus talk about things like love your enemies, then you realize real quickly that's something that transcends your understanding. Amen? We don't like to love our enemies. No, in the love that comes from your soul, you have no capacity to do that. So, of course, it goes tilt, tilt, tilt. And like I like what Morgan did last week when I asked him, what does that do to your mind when I say love your enemies? He went, That's exactly right, because it's not a matter of the soul. It's a matter of the spirit. And that's what we're learning about, about this kind of love. So the concept and issue of love is a perfect example of how things can be confounded in your soul if you don't understand this uh, concept of who we are, spirit, soul, and body, and the fact that when Jesus was talking about love, by and large, he was talking about a spiritual essence. He was talking about a spiritual matter, something that only comes, lives, and is produced by the Spirit only. Okay? And so love is manifold in meaning and motivation and power, depending upon its source, whether it's from the Spirit or whether it's from the soul. And we have a bodily love as well, obviously. And so to better understand this, we, we understand what is intended when we see the word used in the Bible. So it's very important to understand when we see the word love because we are limited in the English language to one word for love. And guess what it is? And that word is used for the same thing. I love my wife. I love pizza. I love my dog. And, you know, we talked about that last week. It's the same word. Now, all of us, because of the growth and maturation and the realization of what we intend in those words when we say them, we don't look. When I say I love my wife and I turn around in the next sentence and say I love my dog, she's not questioning that love being the same for my dog as it is for her. Now, like I said last week, there are some people that have more love and affection for their animals than they do their own fellow man. No, there is. There is. Those folks need to be challenged with the reality of the spirit here, you know. Man is a higher calling of love, not your animal. Okay, I'm not saying you can't love your animals. It's okay, Teresa, to love your dog like you do. Okay, so we're going to focus on the two primary words from which love is translated from the Greek. And we talked about those. The first one was agape. It's the highest type of love. It's a sacrificial, serving of others kind of love. I like that. That's what agape is. It's motivated by intrinsic value. How many of y'all remember the two $5 bills and Morgan's choice he had to make for the last one? 
He chose that $5 bill despite where I told him I achieved it from the toilet. And it was not clear water. And it was not free of solids, right, Morgan? So I, so he heard. But see, the thing is, that $5 spends the same no matter what, if it's soiled or not, amen? Because it has intrinsic value to it. And the same holds true of every man and woman's life in this room and in this world. And that is the credit to which God gave his son Jesus. He gave it because of the intrinsic value of the pinnacle of his creation. I'm going to say it this morning. I'm going to shout it from the mountaintop for as long as I live. Folks, we are the pinnacle of the creation of God. It's not a blue whale. It's not the majestic mountain's majesty in Colorado or wherever else it is that you, that, that you just behold with such awe. It is that man and woman who were created in the image of God and who had pneuma blown into them that sets us apart from everything else that he created. Animals do not have the essence of spirit. They have soul. Yes, they have a mind. They have will. They have emotions. Animals are an amazing creation, but they lack one important element that separates them from the rest of man or from man as a creation, and that is spirit. We have spirit. And they do not. Okay, so agape is rendered by decision. It's not feeling. Its ultimate motivation and expression is sacrifice for its object. It's often referred to as the God kind of love. It's a fruit of the spirit and thereby is spirit born and it is spirit originated. Phileo was the next Greek word from which love is translated in the New Testament. This love responds in kind to the object of its affection. This love is conditional. It's dependent upon emotion or feeling. It's based in the experience with the person or object to which it is rendered. You know, this is the friendship love with, you know, with which we are all familiar. It's emotionally based. This love originates from the soul. Phileo is common of man. Agape is common of God. Okay, and so then we had a nice table with some contrast here. Phileo is natural. Agape is learned. Phileo is emotional. Agape is volitional. It's by your decision. Phileo is discriminatory. Agape is non-discriminatory. Phileo is conditional. Agape is unconditional. Phileo is pleasure. Agape is preciousness. Phileo is delight. Agape is esteem. Phileo is liking. Agape is prizing. You know, I told you that Jesus did not say to like your enemies. He said to love them. And that word love is, guess what? Agape. So you don't have to like your enemies. Let's learn this morning something that will set you free in your soul. Do you realize you don't have to like everybody? How many of you all have condemned yourself, though, because you do not like everybody? The reason for it is because there is a confusion in understanding what love we're talking about here. God is talking and has asked us to love from a, an unconditional aspect of the spirit that has nothing to do with you being drawn to that person out of anything but mercy and compassion that, that drives that. You're not drawn to them because you have an affinity for them, because they're your friend. You're drawn to them from the compassion of the Spirit that comes by the nature of who agape is, and that's God. 
So you don't have to like everybody this morning. Let me just set your mind at ease this morning. It's okay to not like everybody, but you have to love everyone. And love is not the phileo love. You don't have to be friends with everybody. That's phileo. But you have to love them, and we're going to talk about how you do that. Okay, so phileo is because of, agape is in spite of. Phileo is affectionate. Agape is sacrificial. Phileo fails. Agape never fails. Phileo is temporal. Agape is eternal. And phileo is soul. And agape is spirit. Okay, that was a nice table of contrast between those two. And again, I will make this available on the notes so you can have this for future reference. So understanding which love we're talking about is, is, is an essential key to unlocking the revelation and power behind it. Can you not see how important it is to know when, whenever the word love has been translated in the, in the word of God, which one it's talking about? See, now I already delivered something that should become a revelation to you to realize that God, that Jesus didn't say, like your enemies, when he said, you love them. It's okay. You're not going to like your enemies. Dear Lord. It's not mind over matter. It's spirit over matter. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so now let's move into the essence of where we're headed to today. The premise, the premise or foundation of agape is that first and foremost, it is a person and his name is God. But agape is not just an action verb. Agape is not just a, a raw, unpersonified noun, agape is a person, and it's our Father God. Amen? Agape is a person. So 1 John 4, 8. All right, hold on to your, to your seat, folks. We're rolling through the Word. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. I learned when I was a little kid in elementary school, when I was learning my basic arithmetic, Han, that the word is means equals. Matter of fact, you can replace is with an equal sign. This is to that means this equals that in arithmetic. How many of y'all remember that? Is is equals. So when I see that word, God is love, then I see that I can replace it and say God equals love. And guess what that love is? It's agape. God equals agape. So when you hear agape, you see agape, you read a scripture from which the word love is rendered from agape, then you know that it's talking about the nature and essence of our Father God, because agape is a person, and it's God. So really, anywhere you see the word love and it's been translated from agape, you can just replace that and put God in there. You need to God your enemies. Do you see what I'm saying? What does that mean? Well, you are turning and and relating to them from a tangent of God, not yourself. Amen? You see what I'm saying? Okay, so our God, Agape, capital A, himself, is proven through action. You know, his language is the language of Agape. And guess what the language of Agape is? It's giving. It's giving. We're talking about agape this morning, the different kinds of love and what some of the characteristics and who, and first of all, who agape is and it's God. And one of the principal things about who God is, is what he does, and that is give. Give. 
And what, I mean, you know, we can stop and think, what's the primary evangelistic or evangelical scripture everyone can quote from the time they've barely got hair on their head? John 3.16. What does it say? For God so, and guess what that word is translated from? Guess what it is? Hey, you're catching on. Because God did agape this world. He did what? He gave. He gave. He gave. You can stop right there and preach for weeks. For God so agape this world, He gave. And you know, that's got to be the character and expression of agape in our lives is giving. You will see that in people that live this revelation of, of agape love. He loved us. And, and so here's some points about this. If you don't understand this this morning, then I pray by the unction of the Holy Spirit, you will receive a rhema word and the light will penetrate the darkness this morning. And will unto your heart and bring illumination to your mind, a revelation of the fact, of the truth that is eternal. Because facts are subject to change. Truth does not change. Facts can change. They're based on circumstances. Okay, so tr- the truth is God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. And people look at you cross-eyed sometimes when you say that. Jesus is the most... If we stop and think about what the Father God's most precious creation, most precious possession would be, it would be His only begotten Son. Amen? But yet, what did He do with His Son? He gave Him. And who did He give Him for? For us. Then that means, and I'm going to tell you right now, folks, God is not into a bad deal. How many of y'all have ever overpaid for something in this world? Oh, you want to talk about something that fires me up when I realize I've overpaid for something? I get fired up. I don't like to get ripped off. I'll tell you right now this morning, God does not get ripped off. And God's not a garage sale God either. Let me just get that out this morning. Praise God for garage sales. I like them. I can get some good deals at garage sales. But I'm telling you right now, man, God is not, he, he's not in just looking to looking to find the deal. He knows the deal and he's going to pay what it, what it, it's worth. And he paid the price for you and me with the blood, which represents the life of his only begotten son, his most prized possession. And if that's the case, Anytime you pay for something, you're paying an equivalence of value for barter in exchange, correct? In other words, you can't have this unless you give me $5 because I say it's worth $5, okay, unless I give it to you. So the thing is, when God paid Jesus down for our, the remission of our sins, for our lives, he was paying an equivalent value to what he was purchasing, He was purchasing us with a value that was equal to his love for his son, Jesus. This morning, if you do not understand that, if you have never heard that, I would shout it from the mountaintops this morning. Please understand, if there's anything you walk away from this morning with a knowledge and a newness and a revelation in, it's this concept that for God so loved the world, he gave. He gave, and that giving was a matter of barter and exchange for an, of equivalence and value. And we are worth 
Jesus. He gave him for us, did he not? Then we are worth Jesus. So you all, the Bible says that you can only love to the degree that you love yourself. And that's all agape too. If you don't love yourself, perhaps this is the issue this morning, folks. You don't understand the love wherewith you've been loved. You have been loved to the equivalence of the object of God's utmost affection, and that was His Son, Jesus Christ. That, that is it. That's John seventeen twenty three. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Okay, He gave us the greatest gift when we were the most undeserving. This is another proof of, of, of what agape love it means. And so Romans 5, 6, and I like the, what this translation, the way it brings it out. This is God's Word translation. It says, look at it this way. At the right time, while we were still helpless. Have you ever been helpless, Morgan? I like to pick on Morgan. He's, he's, he, he's a good sport. I told him I wasn't going to pick on him. Sorry for lying to you, brother. At the right time, while we were still helpless, Christ died for ungodly people. Finding someone who would die for a godly person is rare. Maybe someone would have the courage to die for a good person. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. While we still stunk. While we still festered in the, the, the brew, if you will, of our sin that deserved judgment. And that was an eternal separation from Him. Christ then was given to us. Not when we had, we had achieved some spiritual plateau of, of achievement that we merited Him. We merited Him only and because of the grace of God that he, did, he willingly bestowed on us to receive Him. Hallelujah for that. Praise God. Amen is right, brother. Hallelujah. So be it. This, and it says in there, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. This demonstrates... God's love for us. That's Romans 5, 6 through 8. That's a wonderful scripture. I'll tell you another thing that proves his love. His love transcends the original covenant nations. I am so grateful this morning for the original nation that, uh, with which God cut his covenant. But I'll tell you what, folks, they rejected him. They rejected their Messiah. Many, many have chosen him and have accepted him, but so often they were not working and receiving from the Spirit. They got focused on the law, which was nothing more than, than to be a light to show people where they were at and the fact that they could not do it in and of themselves. They needed the, the, the object of grace. They needed Jesus. And so, hallelujah, God decided to expand that to humanity. Thank God for that. And we should, the principal covenant nation is Israel. We should never lose sight of that. And in fact, the Bible is very clear. We are to pray for Israel, for the peace. And guess what that word peace is? It's shalom. It's nothing missing, nothing broken. They need to be restored. There needs to be a restoration in the fullness of what they were called to in that covenant that was originally wrought between God and that nation. But I tell you, spiritually, that nation has been expanded and the borders of which include us. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm not a Jew, but glory to God by the Spirit I am. 
I am counted among the brethren. Hallelujah, because I accepted the blood of the Messiah that was sent, Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans 9.25, listen to what this says. It says, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call my beloved. Hallelujah. That's God talking to us, folks. We were at one point in time not called his beloved, but now we are. Hallelujah. So what about our first love? What about this? What is it? I mean, how many of you all have heard the concept of the first love that talks about, is talked about in Revelation chapter 2? And the fact that the Ephesian church lost it. And you know, I've heard that and I've had that applied and applied it to myself. And God, I, I forgive me if I've lost my first love. And I've had some tender moments with God over that concept. But I'm going to tell you this morning, simply, I want to reveal by the Spirit of God, what is the first love? Because I think it's, it's something that we get, we get confused on. Revelations 2.4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Quite simply, folks, our first love is not a feeling. Okay, we're trying to describe what the first love is. What is it that was talked about here by John, delivered under the unction of the Spirit of God in Revelations? What is it that was lost, that was left by this church that was being addressed? Well, it's not a feeling. Let's get that straight. It's not an emotion. You know, because you can read at the things that they did. And it said that, man, they were faithful. It said that they kept themselves from evil. It said that they did all kinds of things that, in religious terms, appear to be very good. Appear to be, frankly, a lot of what we're doing in the church today. Not just talking about New Covenant, just general. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a self-produced passion. I tell you, you can stir yourself up on a lot of things in this world. We looked at the Olympics. You watched the Olympics the past two weeks. I've OD'd on the Olympics. I love them. I love competitive sports. And, you know, you look at those people's lives and what happens when they fail. You see them collapse in an utter and brutal emotion as they realize that for the past four years, and some of them even longer than that, the dream and all that work that they had had. Uh, cultivated towards that moment was lost because there's a passion for that and when that passion is dashed let me tell you what it has a way of really affecting you you can stir yourself up and become passionate on many things but your first love is not a passion that you produced in and of yourself it's not even strength of service you can look in the previous scriptures in that revelations chapter 2 address of this issue and you see that god commends them for the things they did in service unto him the fact that they didn't fall in under the nicolaitans the people that were doing the the wrong things fall in under that and the different things they did in service to him it's not your dedication we have a lot of folks that are dedicated to a lot of things it's not even your faithfulness to ministry that's not your first love. I know I'm looking, getting some confused looks. It's because our first love is He who first loved us. 
He who first loved us, again, this love it's talking about is agape love. And who is agape? It's a person, and it's God. And it says that I have ought against you that you have left your first love. It's because those people left the affection and agape and response of their spirit unto their first love, who was God. Not all the things that you do for him. It's who you return and reciprocate and capitulate in submission by your spirit unto that. First John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And in 1 John 4.19, you can't get any plainer than this, folks. We love Him because He first loved us. This morning, I'm going to tell you, first things first, always. It's not merely that agape established our relationship with God. It's that God is agape. And we relate to agape through agape. Forever our motivation and response to God must be agape, which is a spiritual act. Now we can understand a little bit more because when it's talking about leaving your first love, they left agape, who is a person. It's so easy to get caught up in the, in the matters of service and the things that we do that, that, are, that in our hearts are an element of response unto agape. And they are, and it seems like that they are the essence of our love for the Father based on what we do. But i got to tell you folks this morning, we can see it barely, very clearly in the story of Martha and Mary. I tell you, it was, it was Mary who was agapeing agape. And it was Martha who was doing the other stuff. And who was it that was serving, that was working, that was toiling, that was doing all this stuff in the natural that appeared to be the expression of love unto Jesus because of the things she was doing? But yet when she went and talked to the master, Jesus said, you know what, man, what's needful, Mary is doing. Amen? That's what's needful. Why? Because that's agape. Mary was... was was agape, she was reciprocating, she was capitulating the agape to Jesus. Okay? <clears throat> okay, so what happens to our first love? This is something that's worth looking at a little bit deeper. What happens to agape in our lives? Why is it lost or decreased? Where does it go? I'll tell you this morning, folks, for the people of God, your agape, your first love can be suffocated. First, this is the first thing that can happen to your first love. Why does it, where does it go? Why does it wane? Why was the angel speaking unto the church and saying, I have this one thing against you. You have lost or have departed from your first love. What did they do? What are some of the explanations? We're talking about that now. For the people of God, I'm not talking about people that don't know God, but for Christians, for the church. The people that are recreated, born again, having received Jesus. It can be suffocated by our experience with the world as we allow our soul to be overcome by the evil that we see and the evil that we experience. Matthew twenty four twelve. Oh, I pray by the Spirit of God that we see this this morning. Such will be the spread of evil that many people's love will grow cold. And guess what the word love is translated from? It's translated from agape. 
Do you realize, this is Jesus talking red letter in my Bible and yours, that such will be the intensity of evil that people, the people of God see and experience in this world? And how many could raise both hands this morning and say, I think we're there. And I'll raise both feet. We are there, folks. We are at the greatest intensity of evil and darkness this world has ever known. How many of y'all, if you, I mean, honestly, folks, I don't even watch the news because it's just a constant barrage of darkness. And people say, well, Greg, you, it's your duty as an American citizen to stay informed. Yes, it is, but I filter my information. I try my best to balance it because if you sit there, I don't care who you are, and you clue in only to Fox News or CNN or Headline News or Channel 4 or whatever it is you want to do, and it's the top of the hour and the quarter of the hour and the middle of the hour, and you're constantly feeding on the input of the facts of this world. And again, facts are subject to change because they're not based on truth. Facts are subject to change, folks. And what do I mean by that? The fact may be you're sick in your body today, but the truth is you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. And that was accomplished thousands of years ago. Do you see the difference? The fact is subject to change because of the truth you appropriate in your life or not appropriate. I'm not poo-pooing people that watch the news. Just be very careful and don't give it a balance of the word of God. I would say for every hour you watch the news, you better give it an hour of the word. I'm not trying to establish religion this morning. Gosh almighty, we've got enough of that as it is. We don't need rules and regulations, but I'm just trying to bring forth the, tr- uh, the truth with respect to the fact that there needs to be a balance in terms of what our soul feeds on. Amen? But yes, evil will wax strong. Jesus said that. And he said that you will experience persecution. He said you'll experience trials and tribulations. But Jesus also said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And your peace doesn't come as the world gives it. Guess where the peace can come from? It only comes from the Spirit. Because your soul is not going to ever produce that peace. This is a peace that, like Paul says, transcends understanding. Because it's not experientially based. It's not something that comes from your soul. It comes from your spirit. Hallelujah. So for the people of God, it's the evil in the world that can suffocate your first love. And that scripture is so poignant to me. Such will be the spread of evil that many people's love will grow cold. They're agape. I would ask this morning, would you examine yourself and ask, Am I, is this scripture talking about me? Has your agape tank, is it low because it has been sucked dry by the evil of this world? Okay, how about this? And I'll tell you real quickly that uh, we're not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. That's Romans twelve twenty one. The simple reason for, the reason, for, for this, why, why evil overcomes this, is because people live predominantly from their souls from which only phileo love is possible. And because of that, the love is based on experience, right? Phileo is based on experience. And thus, that love cannot be rendered in the presence of evil because your experience is negative. That explains why you cannot love in this, in this uh, fashion from your soul. You can't do it. It has to be agape. But agape will wane if all of your, your love your, is based on phileo love, if all of your effort. 
So agape is a spiritual matter, so it has to be drawn from and released by our spirit. It's outside the mind. Agape is outside the mind. Ephesians 3.19 says, And to know the love, which is the agape of Christ, that surpasses knowledge. We see that agape surpasses knowledge. It's outside the realm of your ability to understand from a soulless perspective. Okay, so now, the third reason why the love may be lost. Why? We see from Scripture well, uh, that we should not be overcome by evil. We just talked about that. Okay, so here's the second reason. What have you been forgiven? I would ask this morning, would we reflect this morning on what it is that you have been forgiven by Jesus' blood? What has Jesus' blood washed? Well, and yet, and I'm not trying to tell po- folks that they need to go back through the muck and the mire and vi- revisit everything. But at the same time, it is good to stir up your per mind by way of remembrance to realize how, where you came from with, before God. Can anyone remember that? Han, can you remember before you knew you got Jesus as your Savior, where were you at, brother? And I, Han could get up here and probably talk for two or three hours about the destitution of spirit and soul that he was in without Jesus as his Savior. He's told me a couple things. He told me how he came to the Lord. Praise God for brothers that would, would embrace him and bring him along in a discipleship effort to reveal unto him the truth. Hallelujah. But how many of us can look at that and realize where we've come from? Luke seven thirty six through 50 chronicles the story of the woman who broke the alabaster box. How many of us remember this? It's such an incredible story. And this woman who came in, who is literally a prostitute. And you know, so much of, of, of the human and carnal mind can immediately just associate that with kind of the depth of sin, the depth of of of, if you will, being dirty. But yet here this woman comes in in the middle of a Pharisee's house, you know, by whom Jesus has been invited to eat. And he's there and the woman comes in and she, she begins crying and she begins taking her hair and wiping his feet and washing his feet. And then she opens up the alabaster rocks, which represents the fragrance of the value of anything she had of her life. And she poured it out on his feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And she cried and she cried at his feet. And when questioned, Jesus attributes the reason for this act to the tremendous debt of sin for which she sought mercy. Listen to the verse 47 that says, And so I say to you, this is Jesus, red letter in my Bible and yours, She will have forgiveness for her sins which are great in number. Because of her great love. That's agape. But he who has small need of forgiveness gives little love. So I would say this morning, folks, where do you stand with regard to the reality of what you have been forgiven? Is the little agape that you see expressed in your life possibly due to the the cold and the stale realization of really what you have been forgiven, folks? Because Jesus said here that he who's been forgiven much loves much. And that word is agape. If we want to agape much, then we stop and we reflect, Oh God, thank you for what you have forgiven me. Thank you for all, for all this laundry list of things that were going to separate me eternally from your presence. But because of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Another quite simple explanation for the departure of our first love or the departure of us from our first love. The loss of agape in our lives is that it's been displaced. It's possible that agape has been displaced. Listen to what 1 John 2.15 says. Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love, which is agape, of the Father is not in him. I'm going to tell you that this is probably one of the largest reasons why agape does not flow from the common Christian. Because, guess what? They're full of the world. And it has displaced agape. But the cool thing about all this, folks, is that you in a breath, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, can receive the grace for, through a humbled heart to turn back into God. Anytime, any place, any person, you can turn back into God. And I tell you by the unction of the Spirit this morning, I can hear God's voice. And He's asking that His people turn back to Him. What is it, folks, in our lives that we need to turn to God? Ask the Holy Spirit that this morning. God, is there anything in me that I need to turn to you? Oh, man, I can sense the voice of the Spirit this morning. Turn unto me. Okay, so the hows and the whys of agape. We are commanded to agape. This is the how and the why. Why do we agape? Because we're commanded to. If we look in John 15, 12, listen to what Jesus says. This is my commandment. It doesn't say this is my suggestion. It says this is my commandment that you love agape one another as I have agaped you. Greater agape has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. We can see even a greater revelation in this to realize that we are called the friends of God because why? We lay our lives down for him. If you lay your life down for him, guess who your friend is? The one you lay your life down for. And it's Jesus here that's saying that he's your friend. It's interesting that the word life, where it says, Greater love hath no one than this, that someone lay down his life. For his friends, in verse 13, guess what that word is translated from? Suke. It's translated from the word suke, which is your worldly experience of life, which is your soulish experience of life. And it says that, it, and, it, and it's, where, it's where your realm of reasoning is, and your choice, and the things that, that where your agenda in life lies, where your goals and your dreams and your hopes are in life. And here's Jesus saying, greater agape has no one except they lay that down for their friend. Do you see that this morning? How do we do this? First John 3.16 isn't it interesting. John had a tremendous concept of agape. He was also called the, the, the one whom Jesus agape, the one whom Jesus loved. He called himself that. That's a pretty high opinion of yourself. Yeah, I'm the one that he loves. It wasn't because he was prideful, folks. It's because he had a revelation. And when you have a revelation that sets you free, it becomes a foundation and something that you, you shout from the mountaintop. You live in. 
And John did. And isn't it interesting, just like John 3.16, now here's 1 John, his first epistle, 3.16. Isn't it interesting? He's talking about love here. John can't get over this love deal, this agape deal. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. There it is, laid down his suke for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, so how do you do this? How do you lay down your life? Well, here's a practical example. If you have worldly goods and you see your brother in need, yet you close your heart against him, how does God's agape abide in you? Little children, let us not love or agape in word or talk, but in deed. That's how you do it. You love in deed. Okay. So we're commanded to agape. Loving our own, folks, is not enough. It's not enough to love your family. It's not enough to agape the people in the New Covenant Fellowship or the people in the church in general. Matthew 5.43 says, Yet have you heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. This is where this is the verse, brother, that talks about loving your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So loving your own, the people that are in your inner circle, is not enough. You love or you agape all. To agape is the most important commandment. We're talking about agape being, we're being commanded to agape. Well, guess what? It's the most important commandment. Matthew twenty two thirty six. listen to what this says. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law? Jesus answered, love or agape the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like this one. Love others or agape others. As much as you agape yourself. Okay? And then the last thing I'm just going to give in terms of a reference, and there's so many references, I just happened to pick some of the, 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 you know, some of the ones that just kind of stood out to me. Our only debt in life, and you know what? Many people live their life with a lot of debt. They live their lives with a lot of debt physically, materially. They live their lives with a lot of debt emotionally, with a lot of debt, you know, from a perspective to their fellow man or to their mother and dad for what they did for them and that they haven't, you know, lived uh, up to, if you will, or to brothers and sisters or whatever. We can go on and on. But you know what? The only debt, really, that we're told to live with is the debt of love, the debt of agape our only debt should be agape. Listen to what Romans thirteen eight says. Paul says, Owe no one anything. Well, we could stop there and preach for a few weeks. Owe no one anything except to agape or love each other. That's the debt we should owe. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Our only debt, really, by, by Jesus' words that we can see in the Bible is to, to love one another. To agape them. It's the debt of agape. Okay, so, Greg, how do we do this? I mean, you're saying agape is the principal thing. You're saying God is, the, is agape. You're saying that to agape is to, to live God out in your life. Yes. Well, how do you do this? I mean, how do you get agape? Where does agape come from? How do I acquire it? How do I produce it? I mean, what is the, what is the deal here? 
I'm going to tell you this morning that you're without excuse. Why and how? The first reason is that it's an endowment of the Holy Spirit. Agape is an endowment of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, his agape, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So every single person here that's a blood-bought child of God, having been recreated in their spirit, in the likeness of their creator, God, having been created materially after his material substance spiritually, which is agape, you've been created in the fabric of agape, and guess what? The Holy Spirit has given agape unto you. You have it. You have it. It says it's been shed abroad. But guess where it's been shed? It hasn't been shed into your mind. It says it's been shed into your heart. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. And what did I tell you about when you see the word heart? It's most of the time talking about your spirit. Again, agape is a spiritual essence. It's a spiritual thing. Okay, number two, it's a part of our spiritual nature. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Do you know that your spirit, the fabric of your create, the creation of your spirit, is really got threads of agape woven in it? Whether you're going to admit it or not, whether you're going to release it or not, whether you're going to allow it to have effect in your life or not, your fabric, part of your fabric, spiritually, is agape. Amen. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to submit this morning not just a fruit of the Holy Spirit, but because your spirit is made in the likeness of the Holy Spirit and because that Spirit dwells inside of you who believe, then it's a fruit of your spirit. Listen to what this says, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is, guess what the first one is? Love. Isn't it interesting? The very first thing that is even outlined with regard to the fruit of, of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of your spirit, little s, is love. It's the very first thing. So you live from the spirit... Abiding in the vine, guess what your fruit is going to be? The first fruit. Agape. That's right. The last thing, obedience produces it in our lives. You want to know how to produce agape in your lives? How to sow it? How to, to render it? Listen to what John fifteen nine says. I told you I was going to give you a bunch of verses this morning. Praise God for the word. That's what we need is the mouth of two or three witnesses. We need the verse of scripture to back up what we're talking about. Amen. As the Father has loved me, so I have, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you have, so the question is, Jesus, how do we abide in your love? Well, if you keep my commandments, verse 10, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This morning, if you want to see agape produced in your life, if you want to abide in agape, guess what you have to do? You keep his commandments. You do that which you hear your father who is agape say. You do that which you see your father who is agape do. You do that. That's what Jesus said. I only do what my father does. I only say what I hear my father say. You see what I'm saying? And who is the father? Agape. That's how Jesus was able to produce agape in his life. Hallelujah this morning, folks. Amen.
Praise God for the love wherewith we were loved. And we continue to be loved. Hallelujah. So would you stand with me this morning? The Bible is very clear that if Jesus be lifted on high, he'll draw all men unto him. And I tell you, Jesus is the pinnacle of the manifestation in this earth of, of agape love. Let's focus on Jesus this morning. Let's just thank God for, for his gift of love. And, and this morning, I would just ask, it is love that draws us unto him. In fact, the Old Testament talks about with loving kindnesses, have I drawn you? This morning, I would ask, is there anyone this morning who would be drawn this morning by the love of the, of the Father God, by the action of the Holy Spirit? If you do not know the Lord as your Savior, if you do not know this love wherewith you've been loved, but yet that love is pricking your heart this morning, I would ask by the unction of the Spirit of God, you come down and you receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You be recreated and you be made in the fabric and after the material of agape love. So I would extend that invitation to anyone that would come this morning. Father, we're so grateful. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We're so grateful for love. We're so grateful for who you are, God. We're so grateful for the fabric and foundation of agape love in our lives. And it's the expression of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our King. Hallelujah. And we're just so grateful for for you drawing men and women unto you by that love. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, right now. I just want to give time, Holy Spirit, would you, would you draw, would you work on the hearts of men and women in this, in this environment? Is there anyone that would be drawn by that love this morning who does not know that love? I would invite you to come this morning to receive him. And I would also ask that you would just reflect this morning. Where is it that possibly I have grown cold in my agape? Where is it that quite possibly my agape has been hidden away? Is it because you've allowed the evil of this world to to overcome your agape because you're living more from a tangent of your soul in trying to love men and women in this world who are who are without God uh, evil and without hope? Or is it is it because you've forgotten how far, you know, uh, you came in terms of what you've been forgiven? The debts that have been absolved because of the blood of Jesus. Is it because maybe in your life the world has supplanted or replaced or or pushed out agape love? I would ask by the Spirit of God this morning that you would submit your heart and receive by grace a spirit of repentance to turn unto God. And I would say this morning that that's where the very essence of the problem and the issues are with this nation and with this world is that we have allowed the world to, to, to replace the truth. And we just thank you, Father God, for a spirit that would cry, Father Abba, that would, require, would, would cry love, would, re, uh, would cry uh, agape this morning, oh God, over our families, over our church, oh God, and over this nation, Lord God. We just thank you and praise you again for the love wherewith you loved us. And we're great with grateful hearts, Father God. We just want to focus and ask that the Holy Spirit would seal this word by the power of the Spirit of God. Thank you for your protection over us, Father God. Thank you that you loved us as you loved your Son. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.